I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is the weekly briefing for the week ending January 14th. The Consumer Electronics Show has become one of the most important events for the automobile industry. And last week, on this show, we focused on the latest technology news about cars from CES 2022. But there was so much more happening at the event. This week, we talk about some of the other semiconductor news from the most recent CES with Jim McGregor of Tirius Research. Innovation in gaming and advances in automation have always been predicated on silicon, but those two trends are really beginning to kick in, Jim tells us. But before we get to more news from CES 2022, here's a quick rundown of some of the other news you can find in EE Times this week. Hey, do any of you listeners remember that time I mentioned that there was a lot that happens at CES? I probably said it maybe 20 or 30 seconds ago. We talked about automotive technology from CES last week, and we're going to talk about silicon this week. But oddly enough, there was a whole lot of news about actual consumer electronics at CES this year. Regular EE Times columnist Rebecca Day is a CES show veteran. Don't miss her roundup of new TVs, new smart speakers, and new features for other home gadgets. Okay, now we're going to stop talking about CES for about three minutes. Next, coverage of the automotive market tends to focus on cars that individuals might buy for personal use. A little while ago, EE Times took a look at developments with trucks, and this week we've got a report that focuses on taxis. The markets are distinct, and there have been different technological approaches for each. We invite you to read our story to find out more about what's going on with robo-taxis. NVIDIA has demonstrated it's not going to just sit around twiddling its thumbs, waiting for approvals for its proposed acquisition of ARM. The company just bought Bright Computing, which specializes in software for supercomputers. Bright is interesting because it's trying to enable what had been considered high-performance computing to migrate out of R&D labs and into the enterprise market. Read our story for details. Finally, we've got a three-part series written by Malcolm Penn, founder of Future Horizons. It looks back to the beginnings of Silicon Valley and the semiconductor industry. Those are only a few of the articles you can find at our website at eetimes.com. If you're already on this podcast episode's webpage, there are links to the stories we just mentioned on your left. Also, remember you can sign up for EE Times newsletters. Our daily newsletter includes breaking news, and we also have several newsletters dedicated to specific coverage areas. Just find the button on the top of our homepage that says, Subscribe. At the Consumer Electronics Show in 2019, three years ago, approximately 180,000 people showed up. The attendance for CES 2022 that just closed was a mere 40,000. With the latest wave of COVID rising, CES exhibitors pulled out left and right. But the show did, in fact, go on. Companies across the industry had timed product announcements and introductions to the show, and there was no reason to change those schedules. 
Nearly every major company that decided it was too risky to actually show up for health reasons quickly made arrangements for virtual presentations, and there were a lot of them. Each successive generation of processor is almost always better than the generation before, and they tend to end up fueling advances in two key areas, gaming systems and in automated products. This year at CES, it was little different. Jim McGregor is a principal analyst at Terius Research, as well as a contributor to EE Times and an occasional guest on this podcast. He sat in on many of the virtual presentations at CES 2022 and reports that the trend held true this year again. Some of the newest, most innovative technology could be found in game systems and in automated products. Here's my conversation with Jim McGregor. By the way, during this interview, I occasionally address Jim as if there were more than one of him. That's because his Tyrius colleagues, Kevin Crewell and Steve Liebson, were on the call with us. The two of them had opted for oaths of silence, but as you'll hear, they could not keep themselves from kibitzing in the chat window. Gaming has been huge in just about everybody's presentation for the past year or so. And I imagine that it showed up at CES. What did you guys see? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if you looked at the press conferences, um, gaming was driving everything from the PC technologies to the PCs that were introduced, which there were hundreds of them. Uh, You had new technology or new chipsets from Intel, from AMD, from NVIDIA, all driving new PC technology. Um, all of the display manufacturers, the TV manufacturers, you know, even if you talked about the metaverse, everyone was talking about gaming. Interesting. So wise me up here. Um, my, my expectation is that, that gaming systems are like automobiles from the 1950s and early 60s. Everybody who wanted to work on one was was souping them up on their own. Anybody with the capability to soup up their own cars did so. If you had like aftermarket stuff, you did it on your own. I get the sense that these days, if you're a real serious gamer, you're actually putting your own gaming PCs together or, or, or specifying them. Is that the case or am I just uh, over glamorizing what actually happens with gaming PCs? Um, that's still the case if you're talking about a desktop PC, but you have to consider that a larger percentage of the population is now gaming on handheld devices or gaming consoles or even in PCs. They're doing more and more in terms of laptops. Mm-hmm. Laptops account for the uh, largest percentage of the market now. And those aren't things that you're going to slap together. So if you're really serious about it, you're into esports, you're doing competitive, yeah, you're still probably going to be specking out um, a desktop PC. But other than that, if you're a casual gamer, your most likely platform is going to be a laptop PC. All right. Now, you mentioned that that gaming is actually pushing through in a lot of other different uh, different uh, um, products associated, like with uh, with TVs. TVs are, are kind of getting game presentation-oriented, yes? Yes. Um, that's why we're starting to see some of the TVs actually come out already with pre-installed interfaces or apps for the streaming gaming services. And do you, do the TVs themselves, I mean, the, that's the software side of it. Do the TVs themselves lend themselves uh, any particular technology uh, tweaks 
that make them uh, more appropriate for uh, a gaming, you know, someone who's into gaming rather than watching Netflix. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're starting to talk about, you know, uh, higher refresh rates, higher resolutions, you know, not to mention CRISPR technology. So, I mean, all of this, along with the connectivity technology to these TVs, uh, make them more applicable to the gaming experience. And you have to remember that gaming is a very wide range, any from anything from the high-end esports all the way to the casual gamer that wants, right. you know, wants to sit on their couch. Right, right. Does... Uh... Does gaming play into, we've been watching one of the things in TVs over the past couple of years was they, they just keep upping the resolution from 4K to 8K. And and frankly, I can't, I, I see the difference with HDR, the high dynamic range. Um, high dynamic range to me is is visually obvious. It's it's It looks clearly better to me when I see a TV that doesn't have it next to a uh, TV that does have HDR, you put two otherwise similar TVs, one 4K, one 8K. I can't see a heck of a lot of difference, but I'm wondering if um, if gaming, someone who's a serious gamer would, would see a difference or notice a difference. You know, uh, it, once again, when you're talking about TVs, it, it is... You're enhancing, you're trying to make the blacks blacker, the whites whiter, and you're trying to make a whiter uh, color gamut that you can actually use. But for <laughs> gaming, it's not just that. It's about really about latency. It's around, about overall performance and refresh rates, especially on a large screen. So, um, I mean, all of those technologies kind of come into play, but... <laughs> You're right. There's nothing really revolutionary uh, when we start talking about, especially TVs. It's more evolutionary, and I guess the biggest change for gaming is actually integrating those streaming uh, interfaces directly into the TVs. Yeah. From the uh, from the presentation side, I, I mean, uh, the the biggest thing has been ray tracing and adding ray tracing. Uh, can you explain what ray tracing is compared to what, uh, you know, what uh, uh, image generation was beforehand? And uh, is that uh, is that putting any new uh, premium on on chips that can handle that or, or architectures that can handle it? Oh, it is. I mean, we, we've started to see ray tracing become very critical to all of the GPU components, but it's a challenge. It requires a lot of horsepower to do this. You're actually simulating or actually creating the physical structures around all the different structures within a scene. So mm -hmm. whether it's metal, whether it's plastic, whether it's glass, and then you're actually trying to uh, look at individual rays of light and how they interact with all these different surfaces. That's that's a huge challenge, when, especially in a very detailed scene. You know, how it reflects off of water how it reflects off of glass you know what do the image what do the reflections look like i mean it gets very very complex in trying to do this stuff um, in a lot of cases they're uh, actually reducing the refresh rate and using you know uh, ai technology like nvidia's dlss to try to improve the overall uh, image through that along with the ray tracing technology so it's a very, very complex process when you're trying to render these scenes in real time. Um, with uh, 
Now, now you mentioned that's that's pretty sophisticated image rendering, usually on a, a larger screen. Um, but it sounds like a lot of this technology is actually making it to tiny screens, you know, on your phone. People are playing games on their phones more often, on smaller portable game systems. Um, did you see any of that at CES? And, and uh, you know, did anything catch your eye there? Uh, not too much, but CES isn't really the handheld show. The handheld right. show is Mobile World Congress. So we're going to be seeing some new chipset technologies. We're going to be seeing new handsets all come out during that time. And we've already seen some launches from Samsung and others uh, and Apple in the fourth quarter of the year. So, I mean, it's um, – and especially on the smaller screens, you got to remember that you're not going to get the same level of resolution. Plus, you're dealing with different types of operating environments and everything else. Um, and environmental conditions trying to see the screen. So it's not as focused on necessarily the gaming experience. That's not to say that there aren't handhelds, uh, handsets out there focused on gaming. There are. Asus, mm-hmm. uh, Asus ROG is really focused on that. But um, I, I think what we're seeing more so is how do we take that gaming experience down to a handheld um, and not necessarily just on the phone, but actually having something that's handheld. And yeah. uh, obviously we saw that in Q4. It was Qualcomm that actually came out with a specific chipset and a reference design for a handheld device. Kind of like what we saw with what NVIDIA tried to do several years ago with the Shield mm-hmm. handheld device. Um, I think there's a lot more interest from the industry. And I've actually seen other companies propose uh, solutions like that, but they haven't come to market, so I can't really talk about them yet. But <laughs> they're, oh, they're, thanks for bringing it up. Uh, I'm thanks sorry, for I had to tell you. Us. But no, there there is interest in actually bringing more types of handheld devices. Something that looks and feels more like a game controller, but with a screen on it. So yeah. uh, we'll we'll see kind of how that develops. I, I think with the streaming services, they make that more applicable. So you're not just trying to run Android games or something like or low end games on it. Um, but also the fact that, you know, as, as, as you start having 5G connectivity and you start having all this other technology that you can wrap into this very small device. Um, and if you notice from the one Qualcomm had, it had a fairly good sized screen on it. So it was mm-hmm. much bigger than a standard gaming controller, but still had the same type of ergonomics. I would argue it's actually a little, it looks like a little bit more comfortable because you're, um, your uh, hands don't have to be as close in. So you can actually, it, it almost looks like it would fit your body a little bit better, especially if you're sitting in a chair or something like that, yeah. because your elbows and your wrists would be about the same distance apart. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that segment develops. Yeah. Is the technology, now earlier you mentioned uh, um, a lot of this, that some of this stuff is is migrating towards um, the metaverse, the omniverse, or whatever, you know, let's call it AR, VR for now. Um, Those are three <laughs> different things, Brian. Are they? Come on. <laughs> yes, they are. They say they are, but are they really? Well, first off, the omniverse is really a collaborative develop environment to help create these virtual environments. So the omniverse is more of a tool. Metaverse or metaverses or these virtual environments, which which would actually be a better terminology for them, is just a virtual environment. Um, whether it's for gaming, entertainment, whatever, those are still developing. Um, right. And AR, VR, that's kind of one of the key ways or one of the key technologies we expect to uh, 
to be kind of the gateway to interacting with these virtual environments. All right. Fair enough. Thanks for clarifying that. So the question being is, uh, are the companies like Qualcomm with the products we were just talking about a moment ago, uh, are they, is this a technology that paves the way towards towards AR or is it a completely separate thing? I mean, would, would uh, you know, are, are we, you know, as we move towards being able to present and, you know, present metaverses and build metaverses and interact with them, um, are these technologies that can be evolved to get us there or is it totally separate and... Well, I would argue that we're already moving towards metaverses. I mean, if you look, especially if you're into Minecraft, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. go look at the, the the environments that these guys are creating, that that users are creating. I mean, they're they're modeling cities, they're modeling universities. Um, it's incredible what, what people are doing with it. Um, and so, I mean, we're always kind of creating these virtual environments. Uh, whether I, I don't think there's going to be one. I don't think there's going to be a metaverse. There's going to be multiple mm-hmm. environments. And obviously, this is going to be a highly competitive environment, depending on, you know, everyone's, it, it's a new environment. So, it's it's really a question of how do you make, how do you monetize it? You know, how are you going to make money off it? And you know, oh, obviously- if, you, if you bring up Bitcoin, if you tell me that every metaverse is going to have its a virtual universe is going to have its own Bitcoin, I'm ending this conversation. Right I'm now. not I, I don't go into cryptocurrency, so I'm not even going there. I, okay. I think that's a game within itself. <laughs> but no, but I do think that, you know, whether you're you're I mean, if you're if you're into gaming today, a lot of these gaming environments, you're buying and selling stuff, anything yeah. between. Uh, users and players all the time anyway. So I, I think that those business models are going to be there. And I don't think that uh, Facebook, or if you want to call them meta, is going to dominate the world. But, you know, obviously it's it's going to be a key focus. And, and the technology that enables it is, you know, not just what we use, whether it's controllers or whether it's AR headsets, but it's also going to be, you know, those these huge, whether it's a single data center or a distributed data center, I mean, the cloud is going to be a critical element of developing mm-hmm. these in one way or another. Um, and a lot of this, especially if you want to make it interactive, you want to make it real, you know, not to mention the rendering uh, power you have to have, but think about the AI capabilities to really make it real, to make mm-hmm. something interact in ways that, you know, might be completely random. So it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this develops. I mean, this is not a short-term thing, and it's definitely coming. Um, it's another way to keep us from actually doing something. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I'm some, a little skeptical about this whole, whole trend, but I got the feeling we're going to get it whether we like it or not. I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I think uh, Radio Player One, I think we're ready. Um, yeah. The – but – Especially AR, VR, I think that's a natural way to interact with it. Uh, you mentioned Qualcomm. Qualcomm's very well positioned to take advantage of this because they're the leader in chipsets for AR and VR headsets today and, mm-hmm. and glasses. So um, they're very well positioned. I think anybody that's developing these environments, you know, uh, Minecraft bought or uh, Microsoft bought Minecraft, I think they're very well positioned. Um, obviously, anybody around social networking that's that's uh, bringing people together uh, might be a key player in this segment. And NVIDIA is trying to create tools and, you know, kind of uh, key technologies, especially around graphics. So they're well positioned. So uh, I, I think it's it's not a question of 
if it's coming, it's how it's coming and how we're bringing all these individual pieces together. Yeah. So does that wrap us up with the, the gaming trend or sh- are we ready to move on to the other major trend that you've identified, which was automation? Uh, I, I definitely think that that kind of brings it up. It's just the gaming you just have to remember that esports now accounts for, or gaming as a whole accounts for more usage. I mean, more than half the population is now gaming in one form or another. And esports is now more popular than all other physical sports combined. So, I believe I heard that esports alone is a $300 billion business. Yes, it is huge. So, I mean, it is, you have to take it seriously. It's just like the cell phone was driving our direction of technology. You know, gaming is also one of those things. And it's brought new life back to, especially to the PC. I, I. Oh, come on. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Luddite, but I just draw the line at, like, I just don't understand why somebody wants to watch someone else play Ratchet and Clank. Um, Brian, you're too old. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably it. That's just that's the so bottom line here. That's just the bottom line. Uh, okay, automation, automation at CES. What did we see? We we didn't see just uh, we saw. Oh, Steve is telling us there were four billion gamers on the planet. Yeah, more than half the popular total world population. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Um, so automation at CES, you said it's gone. It's it's not just for automobiles anymore. Well, CES is a key show for, a uh, matter of fact, I would argue it's the premier auto technology show. And that's where everyone goes off to show Isn't that new weird? technology. It is. Well, yes and no. Uh, it, I mean, the problem is, is the rest of the automotive segment is about showing the vehicle or showing this or showing that. It's... CES has become that place where you show off new technology and it draws such a huge crowd. It's kind of a natural, but, and and it's interesting because this CES, even though a lot of people were bailing on it, the automotive guys were all in just like they were for SEMA and just like they were for IA mobility over in Germany. They're all in on really showing off what they're doing and where things are going, especially because the pandemic, if anything else, has kind of accelerated some of that technology development and even some of that push towards electrification. Mm-hmm. Um, but CES, you know, one of the key trends wasn't just the automobile. It was autonomous machines as a whole. Whether you're talking about drones, whether you're talking about factory automation, whether you're talking about heavy industrial equipment like John Deere, uh, or you're talking about, you know, uh, companion robots and uh, uh, avatar robots and all these different things. We're getting to that point where wait, wait, you know, Ava- avatar robots is new to me. I, I, I remember I'm old, Jim. You've got to you got to hit me with the new stuff. Uh, you got to explain the new stuff to, to well, the old guy. It was interesting because uh, Hyundai did one of their uh, did a press conference. They were one of the the keys there, um, and they didn't talk about automotive. They talked about robotics. And if you if you know, uh, Hyundai Motors actually bought uh, Boston Robotics. Right. So they have the spot and all the other advanced comp- uh, robotics that they're developing. But, you know, one of the things that they showed off, and they called it MetaMobile. <laughs> so they're kind of keying a new term there. And their vision of MetaMobile was basically where you could actually be in two places at one time. So you actually have robots that can be you know in a different environment and you tap into that robot it can do you know things both through your control or autonomous control 
So oh, wow. you're actually monitoring what it's doing and telling what it needs to do or whatever else. You can actually be in more than one place at a time because you can have avatar robots in different environments. So the idea is the an avatar is, robot is something that a remote person could drop into at any point? Yes. If it, for it, control? It, they, okay. They could drop in for control, and, or it could even be autonomous to some level. You know, so suppose the robot is programmed to do certain functions mm -hmm. within, like, uh, a manufacturing environment or um, electrical plant or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's programmed to do certain functions. Um, you could actually drop in and see that and tell it to do certain things. Or it's an environment like the uh, Fukushima power plant, you know, meltdown, right. where you actually drop into that robot and can do and walk through and, you know, do certain things or tell it to do certain things rather than having to uh, be there uh, on your own. Uh, well, I can so see that. It's that would be great for uh, maintenance and repair where uh, the robot might be you know, autonomous for 98% of what, but then those 2% things that come up where you need somebody who's got uh, uh, some, some specific uh, knowledge that they've gained from their experience, being able to drop in and say, you know, uh, take over and, and, and fix whatever might be, might require be the, the maintenance, right? Well, and think about it. We're already using robotics in everything from manufacturing down to fast food. Right. There's, I mean, uh, the pandemic, the changes in demographics, all these things, not to mention the, the cost of labor, all these things are driving a mad rush towards uh, autonomous robotics or autonomous machines. Yeah. So I, if, if I actually had to pick a key trend for 2022 – this, I think, is kind of the key year where all these technologies we've been working on are really coming together and kind of changing the environment. Of course, if you take it to the extreme, you start thinking about the whole Wally -E scenario where you just have fat people floating <laughs> along in these things and doing nothing all day. Um, I'm hoping we're not going there, but, you know, between gaming and autonomous machines, you never know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely something to be cautious about. There's something to be said about actually getting up and doing something, like turning on a light. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you see anything else at CES that you thought was fun, cool, exciting? You know, uh, there is so much stuff to go through, it's hard to name it. But uh, obviously, you know, we talked about earlier... Uh, companies, the solar, uh, panel the solar panels, tiles. you know, the yeah. solar tiles, you know, and that's nothing new. I mean, Tesla and other companies have been working on those for years. But the fact that, uh, you know, this is actually a roofing company that came up with these um, and they're trying to work it through, you know, uh, experts to install them with consumers. So uh, kind of different business models around it as well. Um, some consumer products. I really like the uh, uh, the little small projector that uh, Samsung actually showed off. I think it was called Freestyle. Mm -hmm. um, a kind of a, a portable projector that's only, it's weighs less than two pounds and can project up to a hundred uh, inches. Didn't give a lumen rating on it, which I kind of, kind of bothered me. They also had this huge um, uh, curved 55 inch curved gaming monitor from Samsung, <laughs> uh, the Odyssey. That was, that was interesting. I, I'd honestly, I'd like to have one. Um, and, and 
And there were also a lot of new technologies that, quite honestly, I was too afraid to ask how much they're going to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Some of these things, are, yeah. I, I mean, like, there, there, there were some really cool announcements, and like, like the uh, clear um, uh, displays or uh, LG was showing off, and I'm like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are certain questions you don't want to get. It's like from from the spouse, like. Honey, what's this on the visa on the visa card? What 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 is this? The charge for $8,750? Yeah, well, sometimes you got to remember that sometimes these things start off in the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, right. which it's even scarier. But yeah, it's um it, the good thing about CES is you kind of see where the technology is going. Some of these are going to take, you know, a decade to actually come down to reasonable prices. Some of them will be reasonable. I mean, we saw about two years ago. We start started seeing the machines that would self start self folding your uh, your laundry for you. Um, <laughs> this year, one company had a small portable uh, kind of personal sized washing machine for or, or dishwasher. You know, that's actually great for a lot of environments. You know, uh, there's uh, it's it's always interesting to see somebody's coming up with a new way to you know. Fold your laundry, do your dishes, you know, uh, take out the trash, whatever. Were, weren't you just saying that, weren't you just saying just, just two minutes ago that you should be able to get up and do, take out your own trash? I think you should, but, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> but you're uh, old. you never know. I, I'm old and, you know, I don't live in some place like New York or L.A., so <laughs> I actually want to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Gosh. Uh, yeah, they're, they're. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time today. It's always fun having you on. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it. Our guest on today's podcast was Jim McGregor, Principal Analyst for Terius Research. That concludes this episode of The Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. The Weekly Briefing is available through all the major podcast platforms, but if you go to our website at eetimes.com, you'll find a transcript along with direct links to the other stories we've mentioned, along with other resources. The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McCray at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week. As uh, as you were uh, going through the CES stuff, um, the, all the presentations and what was available there. Um, okay, all right. Now Kevin is so for our listeners out there, Jim's colleagues Steve and Kevin are on this conference call, and Kevin has just dived into uh, uh, in artificial uh he's he's donned his his vr goggles and uh and has distracted us entirely (laughs) he's completely lost in the metaverse yeah exactly oh and of course steve here was uh who's similarly uh flexing his his age how can you be in two places at once when you're not anywhere at all